Sometime around the year 1000, a monk went on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. As he returned home to his monastery, his ship passed near the volcano of Mount Etna off the coast of Sicily. He heard screams and yells coming from the crater. By the grace of God, he understood that these were the howls of demons who were enraged that souls were escaping from their clutches. The souls were escaping, he learned, because assisted by the prayers and almsgiving of the living. Deeply moved, he determined upon arriving home to do what he could to offer even more prayers for the relief of the departed. And there the story might end, a minor footnote of personal piety in the annals of Church history. Except that this monk was Saint Odilo, the abbot of the great Benedictine monastery of Cluny, itself the head of a confederation of monasteries that extended throughout Europe. Cluny's influence guaranteed that Odilo's establishment of the commemoration of all souls would quickly spread the celebration across Europe and be a major influence in the development of the doctrine of purgatory. This Benedictine foundation for today's memorial intrigues me. Was there something about monastic life that allowed St. Odilo this insight into the need of departed souls for purification and aid? How did he recognize that the screams he heard were those of frustrated demons and not the eternally tormented damned? What led him to see the profound mercy of God that even extends to the dead? We cannot know for certain, but I think it likely that his own daily experience of the liturgy played an important role. Participation in the liturgy does not require us to be perfect, whether we are assisting at Mass, praying the Divine Office, or going to confession. It rather assumes our imperfection and need of healing and deliverance. Our imperfection, humbly owned, incurs no condemnation but instead draws down God's mercy upon us. No matter our failings, when we gather to worship, we place ourselves in a right, if imperfect, relationship with God. And he sets us free from the sins that entangle and bind us, perfecting that relationship. The liturgy is thus always a place of encounter between men on the road to salvation and God, who is saving them and who does not abandon his chosen ones. If this is true in this life, why would God not have the same consideration for his faithful servants who have died in friendship with him, yet fell short of the perfection of the saints we celebrated yesterday? As we heard in the first reading, the souls of the just are in the hand of God, and no torment shall touch them. Chastised a little, they shall be greatly blessed, because God tried them and found them worthy of himself. We are gathered for today's liturgy to remember our departed family members, friends, and all souls in need of purifying. Though we miss them, we need not mourn. This is a day of hope and joy, for heaven has assured them once their purgation is complete. It is a day of gratitude to God, who loves us so much that he will not allow us to enter heaven in anything less than perfect spiritual health. Sin and vice have injured us all and left us spiritually lame, blind, and crippled, unable to enjoy the life of heaven to the full. 
Just as Jesus healed physical injury during his earthly ministry, so he continues to heal both us and the departed through his ministry in the liturgy. When I say that sin injures us, I mean both the damage we inflict on our own souls as well as the harm we do to others. It is often those closest to us, those we love, whom we wound most deeply. For we who are still in this life, we can seek forgiveness and make restitution. But the dead can no longer apologize or attempt to right the wrong. We have all been injured by sin, perhaps by the actions of a parent, sibling, or friend, or possibly by the inertia of systemic sin from past generations, whose choices have resulted in institutionalized injustice against us. As we gather here to offer up prayers for the dead, in union with the saints and with Christ's gift of himself on the cross, one of the most important prayers we can offer is our Lord's own from that same cross. Father, forgive them. In forgiving, we reduce the penalty they owe for the wrongs they committed against us, shortening their period of purgation. And we receive healing and freedom in ourselves as we are conformed to Christ by offering his prayer. With grateful joy for his healing mercy, let us offer the saving sacrifice of the Eucharist for those in purgatory, receiving forgiveness even as we forgive in hope of the resurrection of life.